Our new standard of normal is Homer Simpson. Most people are obese, on uh, hypertensive meds, uh, cholesterol meds, reflux meds, the, and antidepressants. This is the classic profile of the people that, that often come to me. And I help them slowly get off of all of these things. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. so much for joining us here on the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Today on this episode, we are going to talk about how gut health and hormones are intricately linked and why you need good gut health to have a great libido and how that manages conditions like osteoporosis because of mineral nutrient absorption. We're going to talk about different types of diets, and you are going to get a special recipe on how to make bone broth. This is an awesome episode that you don't want to miss today. And my special guest today is Esther Blum, and she is a registered dietitian and a high-performance coach. She's helped thousands of women permanently balance their hormones and lose stubborn belly fat, treating the root cause of their health struggles. Esther is a best-selling author, Cave Women Don't Get Fat, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, The Secrets of Gorgeous, and Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous Project. She is currently maintains a busy virtual practice where she provides 360 degrees of healing and physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual support. Esther believes that diet and supplements are the foundation of healing, but treating the whole person is paramount. Esther, thank you so much for coming on this show. I'm super excited to have you and interview you and just kind of talk about all the things that are really going to help women. But I think the first question I really want to dive into today is what got you interested in gut health? It, uh, you know, my life started out revolving around gut health. I had chronic ear infections and tonsillitis as a kid. And um, my mother was a nurse. My father was a doctor. And my mother joked, it was like getting my period every month, like clockwork. I was sick, antibiotics, uh, recovered, sick antibiotics recovered. And, you know, my parents didn't know much about nutrition. I was fed gluten and dairy my whole life, not to mention margarine and trans fats, because we grew up in a kosher home. So there was like no butter. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't find butter to save your life. I used to sneak bacon and butter at my bestie's house because, uh, you know, she was Italian. Um, and so I really saw, you know, and I would see pictures of myself, like in my camp photos big bloated belly, right? And my gut has always been my nemesis, my weak point. So um, as I began, you know, in clinical practice to see more and more hormone issues and do research on it, you know, I realized the two, the gut and the hormonal system and detoxification of estrogen in particular really go hand in hand. So I now make sure that anybody who gets a hormone test also gets a gut function test in my practice because, um, and this is not just for women, but it's for men too. 
Um, if your gut function is not up to par, you can keep recycling estrogen over and over again and stay very estrogen dominant. So you want to make sure that that's addressed. And also uh, throughout the menopausal cycle, uh, your gut function completely changes as estrogen and progesterone begin to decline. You lose that gorgeous mucosal lining in your small intestines. Uh, and you, a lot of women who didn't have gut issues or bloating before are now experiencing IBS and gastroparesis and, uh, you know, bloating and SIBO and a lot of different gut issues. So the goal is to support gut function you know, before menopause, so you don't run into these problems down the line. You know, the one thing that I have seen more recently has been histamine has just shot through the roof. Mm. When women hit menopause, they're allergic to things that they were never allergic to before. Gut issues are at an all-time high, food sensitivities, food allergies, etc. So, I mean, I, I completely agree with that and, and have seen that over and over again as well. Yeah. And I love, I mean, the low histamine diet really works wonders along with like quercetin and nettles that really helps kind of calm things down at least, uh, until, you know, you really get the gut kind of fixed and solid again. Absolutely. So why is gut health such a key issue with the treatment to help women really overcome their issues in general? Yeah. So the gut is really the epicenter of your health. I mean, it regulates everything. And we, I mean, as much as we think we know, we are still at the tippy, tippy top of the iceberg, right? And an iceberg has, you know, you'll see about a quarter above the surface of the water, and then it goes so deep into the water, right? So we are just learning about how it affects our genes, how, you know, uh, it affects our hormones but it's really imperative that you support the gut through menopause so that you're not having histamine response, you're not having leaky gut and bloating, you're not developing these food allergies. In other words, you need strong gut health to stay resilient, but you also need gut health for things like bone density, right? Because if your hydrochloric acid is low, you're gonna have a really hard time absorbing your trace minerals like calcium and magnesium and zinc and boron, all of which support bone density. So you really wanna make sure there's good gut integrity. Um, you know, most people don't realize too that about 70% of your lymph nodes line your small intestinal tract. So if you have a healthy gut, you will have a healthy immune system, which is also really important as you age because that tends to decline. So I think of the gut, you know, not just in terms of treatment, but actually in prevention and giving people optimal health, um, mental clarity, good sleep, you know, uh, we make our neurotransmitters in our gut as well, like serotonin, dopamine. So it fights, you know, a happy mood. Uh, healthy gut is a happy brain, healthy mood, mental clarity, all, all the things that we need to live a radiant, optimal life. Awesome. And so how do you think diet plays into this? Some people think, you know, hey, we address the gut first. No, diet is king. So where are you with, with diet and, you know, how do we incorporate this to have overall great gut health? 
So some of my, I mean, diet's imperative, right? What you put in your body really matters. So I have some people with severe, severe gastroparesis or duodenitis, um, bacterial overgrowth. For, for my most severe cases, I will actually use therapeutically an elemental diet uh, short term to really combat SIBO, some mold overgrowth. Um, keto diets are great biofilm disruptors. So if you're cooking with lime, if you've got a lot of mold, um, keto diet, something else to think about, but really I look at, again, this is why I test, right. To see like, how are you actually digesting your food? Are you triggering autoimmune issues with your diet? Um, so I have people, you know, I, I wrote a book called cave women don't get fat, which is a paleo diet book for women. And I do have people do a good cleanse or reset number one to find their unique carb tolerance, because that changes through menopause, for sure, carb tolerance changes. Um, but B, I have people clean out, you know, the more allergenic foods, gluten and dairy tend to be more sensitivities. Now the question becomes, do we really have, are we really gluten intolerant? Or are we glyphosate intolerant, which is the weed killer put on non organic wheat? Um, I have so many clients that will travel in Europe and be able to eat the, you know, will have colitis here, but can eat the bread there and be fine, right? So it could be what's on our food, but regardless, avoiding it really does help a lot of people. If you tolerate gluten and dairy, I actually don't remove it from your diet because you're tolerating it. You're not having, and your, and your gut health tests look fine. Not everyone actually is sensitive to gluten and that's why I test. Um, Amen. So yes. I just want to like say yes to that because I think <laughs> that that is such a common misconception that everybody feels like they need to remove it. And it's really patient specific. Yes. And so I think that's such a huge point to drive home because I, I think there's other places that are saying everybody is allergic, sensitive, et cetera, to this. And I, I just think that that's a really amazing point that you made. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I dabble in gluten uh, and I really don't have a reaction, but if I eat it every day, I sure as hell have a reaction. But, you know, my, my gut tests say, nah, you're really not gluten sensitive. So it's fascinating, right? It's really metabolic individuality, but we can feel so guilty, right? They're like, oh, I eat gluten. Like imagine just freeing up that mental real estate being like, I'm fine. I'm healthy. You know, I, since becoming educated as a dietitian, I don't enjoy my food the way I used to. I'll be totally honest because I'm like, well, shit, is this making me sick? Is this inflaming me? I don't know. You know, it's, there's a lot of fear that comes out of it and that steals your joy because like pleasure is a nutrient too when it comes to to food. So yeah, the goal is to put pleasure back into eating and have peace of mind around it. Um, but yeah, so the, the goal is, you know, to, to have really strong gut integrity. One of my favorite, um, gut building natural ancestral foods is bone broth. And my favorite way to make it, you can actually Google me. If you do Dr. Oz bone broth, I, I made it on his show. It was so much fun. And you basically, you take a slow cooker or just a pot on the stove that you want to cook on low. You cook everything on low for 19 hours. Um, because you don't want to destroy the collagen strands. And you can use either, um, I use knuckle and neck bones. I have like a grass-fed butcher near me. So I'll come in for knuckle and neck bones, or I grab a bag of chicken feet. But either way, it's like two to three pounds of each. Uh, it's 16 cups of water. Uh, if you're if you're FODMAP friendly, uh, or if you don't have a problem with FODMAPs, you add onions. If not, you don't. 
Uh, you could add carrots, you can add a tablespoon of salt, and you add some kind of acid. So if I'm using chicken feet, I'll add, uh, I'll throw in half a lemon. And if I'm using beef, I'll do about a quarter cup of apple cider vinegar because the acid leaches the trace minerals and collagen, it pulls them out and puts them into the broth. So you cook it for 19 hours on low, you strain it, you put any herbs you want, um, and then you chill it. And you will see, it's like meat jelly. Like your spoon can stand up in it. It's like this beautiful gelatinous mixture in my mason jars. And uh, then I'll freeze it uh, after that and just pull it out as needed. So um, uh, chicken broth, if you cook the chicken, if you throw chicken skin in there as well, it has a lot of glycine, which is extremely, it's a great detoxer. Um, but both contain uh, essential trace minerals and collagen that really heals and seals up that beautiful gut wall. So it's one of my favorite, favorite foods. Fermented foods can be really helpful too um, at, you know, repopulating the gut with good bacteria also. Awesome. And I want to go back to one thing because one thing we have not talked about the, on the podcast is actually an elemental diet. And so it's kind of like a, maybe a buzzword for some people. So would you mind clarifying what the elemental diet is? Yeah. So elemental diet brings me back to my days as a hospital dietitian when people had no gut motility, they had surgeries, they were on a ventilator and just kind of got this gastroparesis or the bowels just really hadn't come back to life. So an elemental diet is basically um, an easily absorbed form of nutrition. It's primarily carbohydrate based uh, with essential amino acids. However, you can now get uh, elemental diets with protein too. They're partially elemental, but basically it means it's, it's the most simplified way to digest it. I would say in nature, I mean, I guess breast milk would be close to an elemental diet, although the composition is different, but it's just these beautifully digestible uh, nutrients, right? A set of essential amino acids. So it gives your body, when things are already in a form that's easy to absorb and it's in a liquid, it's a powder that you mix, you know, you blend with water and some ice. So it gives your bowels a rest and it takes away the food and the fuel that is feeding unhealthy bacteria. So if you have SIBO and you do, you can do a hard reset with an elemental diet for like two to four days and then use, you know, elemental diet one to two times a day for, you know, a few months, or you can use um, two shakes a day and a regular meal for about three weeks that usually clears up about 80% of SIBO cases. So it's really just a great way to um, hit the reset button. If you feel like you can't digest your food, you're having gastroparesis, you have SIBO, or maybe you got mold, or your gut is just really inflamed and you feel like you're allergic to everything you're eating, an elemental diet is a great way to just help you feel better, not so bloated all the time. Um, and, and really, uh, you know, get, get back to your gut, uh, get back to your regularly scheduled gut programming. One of my first mentors, Robert Crayon, he always said, it's not what you eat, it's what you absorb. And I always found that to be profound. Um, because, true. you know, when we think about it, right, like our stressful lifestyle, most of us have past the age of 30, really low HCL hydrochloric acid. We're not breaking down our foods properly. 
Um, and then in under those conditions, right, your stomach should be a cauldron of fire because things can't really survive a fire too well. Like go out and look in nature, look at forests, not much survives after the forest burns. So if your stomach has appropriate hydrochloric acid, you can't really grow bacteria, you can't grow funguses, you can't have parasites or worms or bugs or yeast. But when you have low hydrochloric acid, uh, then the trouble begins and bacteria start fermenting, they start overgrowing, they start repopulating places they should not be. And then all of a sudden, your food becomes fuel for them to keep feeding on, you know, your poorly digested food from a, a leaky gut or an inflamed gut just becomes food for them to keep growing. So an elemental diet starves those bacteria. It doesn't give them any food or fuel. It's digested in the upper part of the small intestinal tract. It doesn't move through the rest. So they're starving. So eventually they, and of course, you should not just do this. You should work with, if you're considering this, you've got to work with a functional medicine practitioner. Don't self-treat with this. And, and the therapy has to, an elemental diet alone will not kill SIBO. You've got to take uh, uh, biofilm disruptors and work with a practitioner for all of that. But it's a, the diet piece. That's a great thing to add into your treatment for sure. Hey. This is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally, or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit dranmariebarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne-Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. You know, you talked about your hospital days and working in the hospital. And so how does this approach really differ from the Western medicine type approach where you're getting kind of to the root and what's been your experience with, you know, private practice versus the hospital days? <laughs> there couldn't be two more opposite experiences, right? I mean, when I worked in the hospital, I worked in the cardiology units and one of my units was quote unquote, holistic. Well, holistic for the hospital meant, you know, there was an open chart policy. We had massage therapists come in, which was awesome. Um, I was supposed to bake cookies for the patients <laughs> and which didn't happen often because I was covering three units, one of which was like a cardiac step down unit and the CCU. So didn't happen often. Um, but, and it had a warm and fuzzy vibe and we had like musicians come and play and, you know, but the treatment was at the time, the Dean Ornish diet for cardiology patients. I mean, which is for those of you who don't know, it's like a 10% fat diet, right? 
So the nurse man, um, the director of nursing who I was uh, under, you know, she was eating bagels and a huge lentil soup for her lunch, but it had no fat. So it was okay, therefore. And I was like, oh my God, if I would be a zombie eating that way, right? So, um, and people would look at me when I, like I had 10 heads, if I dare mention supplements. And during my hospital training, I did get certified in functional medicine. It was like, I got to get the heck out of there. I, I lasted almost five years in hospitals. I was like, I got to get out. I'm not helping anyone. So functional medicine training just treats people. It's such a different model, right? It, it's root cause and it's therapeutic diets that you don't learn. I have a bachelor's and a master's in clinical nutrition. I didn't learn any of the treatments that I learned in functional medicine. I didn't learn, you know, the specific carbohydrate diet by Elaine Gottschall. Um, I didn't learn, you know, uh, paleo diets. I didn't learn uh, keto diets. You, you just don't learn what you do in functional medicine. I didn't, um, but in functional medicine, right? So, so a traditional dietetic training, it's a pre-med degree minus the physics and a slightly less chemistry. But other than that, it is all pre-med. So it's a very westernized approach. Now, that being said, some of those things do carry over tremendously well. I mean, I learned drug nutrient interactions. I learned about elemental diets. I learned about motility and gut health and uh, diabetes and HIV and AIDS and liver issues. So you really, it's important to me to have that clinical background because it enables me to really apply it and use, you have to use a lot of biochemistry when you're looking at hormones, when you're looking at gut health, you have to really understand the pathways that things move through. So it, it did uh, help me, but the functional medicine, it was my base. It was my foundation as a springboard to functional medicine, which teaches, you know, food, it teaches what nutrients, uh, supplements and herbs, all of those things, uh, and recommendations for hormone uh, replacement, different blood work values as well. Our current lab values that a Western medicine doctor will use is still the same lab values that were used in the late 1920s. We now have a different model of citizens in our country. Our new standard of normal is Homer Simpson. Most people are obese, um, on uh, hypertensive meds, uh, cholesterol meds, reflux meds, the, and antidepressants. This is the classic profile of the people that, that often come to me um, on all these things. And I help them slowly get off of all of these things by changing the diet, by adding in supplements. And Western medicine, unfortunately, trains doctors. Doctors are wonderful humans. They're compassionate and caring. They want to help people. But the model shows that, you know, you treat things with a drug or if you're quote unquote normal, which means your labs are normal, then you should be fine. So I remember being very sick. Uh, uh, a few after my son was born, I developed this debilitating insomnia. I had depression. I had anxiety. I had panic attacks. I did not know what was going on with me, but all my lab values were normal. So the doctor was like, here's one doctor literally said to me, here's a copy of the Kabbalah 
put it under your pillow at night. And here's a prescription for Xanax. I almost fell over. I was like, I'm going to write about that one day. I mean, right. I see the look on your face. It's horrifying, but that's what people are told. And they're regularly gaslit by the medical establishment because when a doctor, to me, I believe this is the story in my head. Okay. The story I see is that when a doctor tells you you're normal, it just means you either don't fit in the lab parameter or they think it's all in your head or both. That does not mean you're normal. When, when people's bodies are on fire, when they have wicked reflux and they're gaining weight and they have insomnia and hot flashes, that it's, it, it's insufferable. You shouldn't have to live that way. And it, it just because it's normal and other people are going through it doesn't mean there aren't treatments or you have to tolerate it. It's common. It's not it's normal. It's, it's just not. common. But what's so funny is like the suck it up. You, you just have to do this because I think that people that, you know, I think a large majority of people accept that they accept, okay, I'm just going to be on an antidepressant or PPI or whatever else. And they're like, well, this is just how I am. And I, I have had so many patients tell me repeatedly that this is just the way that they have to live. And that's really, really tragic, to be honest. It is. And we're not taught to question the narrative. And, you know, again, I grew up with a family of doctors. My grandfather was a doctor. Um, my grandmother was a dietitian, and he trained her to be the anesthesiologist when he did. He took my tonsils out, actually. That's a whole nother story. Right. And so no one ever questions doctors because they're afraid or um, are intimidated, which is totally understandable. Right. Um, or if a doctor says, well, that's not true. Okay, but look at all the research. There's actually research out there. So my advice is always, um, you know, if your doctor isn't helping you or isn't supporting you, just find a new doctor. You, you can either fight that doctor and say, well, here are the studies and here are my test results and here's this, or you could just find a new doctor because medicine's a business like any other. It's, it's okay. There's so many amazing doctors out there who will change your life. And want to help you and have the tools to do it. Um, and, and some people do respond, you know, it's like, here's a pill. Okay, I'm fine. And I'm okay living my, that way. But most people are not. Or after a while say, mm, I've, I've seen, I've read that this isn't good for me long term. Great. Let's question that. And, you know, a great example of this is my, my son's now 14. And we crack up because we'll, be, we'll watch TV and we see a commercial for cancer medications and the side effects are cancer. <laughs> and we're like, we're like, what is wrong with this picture? You know, and he's always like, what is up with all the drugs? Why can't people just eat food and, and control their weight? I'm like, why indeed? So, you know, it's a whole discussion, right? Totally. And that brings me to my next question. Exactly what you said, which is, I think, uh, just you know, very simplified, right? But yeah. why do people have such a hard time? modifying, changing, or sticking to dietary recommendations when they know the food that they're eating is hurting them. What have you seen with that? Mm, that runs so deep. Um, and I find the more overweight my clients are, the harder it is. It's like Sisyphus, you know, 10 pounds down and then, or, and they're, and they're climbing up the mountain and they slide right down. So I believe it's a lot of feelings around worthiness, number one. Number two, some of it's educational, of course. 
um, which is why I get a lot of my clients to wear glucose, continuous glucose monitors because the numbers don't lie and those numbers are showing up. You got one, girl. All right. Of course. Yeah. I, I want to know. Um, I've worn one for about a month and a half and I've always yeah. done like, you know, I've always done a glucometer as well, but yeah, yeah I think they're I think they're critical to actually know what's going in your body and how yeah. things are affecting you. And I'm, I don't need to lose any weight, but I want to know that the food is not inflaming me. Awesome. It's awesome. Right. I, I know. I thought it was a great experiment when I, I wore one too. Uh, and women, by the way, you should wear them for at least a full month if you're menstruating, because you need to see the first and second half of your cycles could be very different. They are very different. Right. So, but back to your question. Yeah. I mean, it, it's self-worth. It's, um, it's really, uh, developing a resilient mindset and, and questioning and destroying that old narrative that we've heard. Now that narrative for some people is internalized when they're six years old and somebody told them they were fat or chubby or took them to a diet doctor, or they had to see a nutritionist that runs very, very deep because we're all still, you know, we have our inner child inside of us and we're all, we still have those voices the rest of our lives, but it's how we learn to question and um, put those voices to rest and really develop a resilient mindset. So that's where the work, the beautiful work comes with my clients of like destroying and uncreating those old belief systems that are not serving you so that you can rise to the occasion, become really accountable. So food log tracking apps are really also important. Um, looking at your sleep, looking at your, uh, your hunger, your energy, your cravings, your mood, um, getting people to exercise, all of those things, the building of habits just takes time and it takes education. And frankly, it takes money because you've got to do tests. Um, but the investment is worth it. It actually, you know, uh, I looked at Forbes magazine for statistics on being overweight and, you know, it costs at least five grand a year minimum be having a high BMI. So it's a good I, investment. I didn't know that. Reverse that. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. I can <laughs> exactly. see that. I mean, that makes complete sense, but I didn't know the number associated with it. Yeah. And people, you know, they'll say, I don't have the money to do this. I'm like, you're already paying that in co-pays medication. You will pay that in hospital bills down the line. You will pay for it. It's only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. so. And how, how can, you know, if somebody's married, they have a spouse, et cetera, how do you feel like the partner makes or breaks what's going on with the diet? Yeah. As much as you let it, I mean, you know, Full transparency, like my husband eats radically different than I do, um, but I'm totally on point with my eating because I can't eat the way he does and feel any way human at all. <laughs> so you just have to decide, you know, and if you've got a family, like you've got to train your family. I always joke in my house, there's, there's two meals served every night, take it or leave it. That's it. You don't like what I cook. You're not, you're not hungry for it. Great. There's a freezer and fridge full of food. Go make yourself another meal. No kid is going to starve in a house where there's healthy options. Let them figure it out. Um, but you're there to, and, and my son and I, when he was 10 or 11, we made a six week online program called nutrition school for families. 
to combat, you know, the picky eaters, the obese children out there, um, the, the rampant nutrient deficiencies out there. So you have to decide what you want. And that's why, you know, I have people work with me for the accountability, for the support, because they can be eating radically different than their family. But you, you've just got to decide how badly you want it and how badly you need it. And if you're walking around tired, no libido, overweight, you can't see your own hoo-ha because it's just covering everything up with body fat, you've got it and you want to reverse that. It's going to require change. If you, if you, what is it? Tony Robbins always said, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten, something like that, right? So if you want results, in order to get something you want, you have to give something else up. That's just the laws of nature. So if you want to get fit and lean, you're going to have to give up the old tired patterns that just don't serve you. And it's a hard battle for a lot of people to let go of. And to make those changes and have those changes be sustainable. I just think so many people really, really struggle there, which is tragic. You know, it's yeah. just a lot of hard work and it's not the work that we can do for somebody what they put in their mouth. You know, that's, that's the hard part. Yes. And I find like the lifestyle pieces are also the hardest for people to change. Like something as simple as going to bed earlier, it kills a lot of my people. They, they come alive, they're creatives. They come alive between 12 and two. And I'm like, rewire yourself to, and re we work on resetting their circadian rhythms uh, and their diurnal rhythms in particular, so that they can be creative. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I get more creative thinking done between six and eight in the morning. My brain wakes up and is like cocked and loaded and ready to go. Mm -hmm. So you going to sleep earlier, booze. Oh my God. That is like, I hear that one. I would be a smoking alcoholic if I could. I love it. Love it. Love booze. Makes me feel good. It like, I'm like Ernest Hemingway unleashes my creativity, but it messes with my gut microbiome, my hormones and my sleep. So that's a hard no. So do I drink sometimes? Yeah, but not, not like I used to. I had to cut back because I wanted one thing. So I had to give up another. And I was like, it's a worthy trade-off. I feel good. I feel energized, clear. I'm not like bloated, you know, 24 seven. <laughs> yeah. I ping out of bed at like five 30 and I am ready to go. Like in yeah. the mornings, it's just like my time to shine. I love it. By 9 PM. If you have any <laughs> really technical questions to ask me, I'm just checked. That's it. <laughs> that is That's right. A, a, per, a better cortisol curve, a much better cortisol curve that way. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you know, I read a great article also this morning on the pandemic and how it's affected women kind of getting in that like late night screen time is like their binge time and they're on their phones in bed or their iPads. So first and foremost, you know, past eight or nine, the phone should be shut off, like read a library book. Uh, I don't care if you Netflix a little bit, whatever, but wear some blue light blockers and get off the screens at least half an hour to an hour before bed. But the phone and the iPad are particularly bad for the brain, going to bed, calming the nervous system down. Those have to go. Completely. Yeah. Well, I, we covered a lot in a very short amount of time. It was so <laughs> fun. It was just like, bam, 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 bam. So um, was there anything that I didn't ask you that you think is really important to bring up for listeners before we um, tell people where they can find you? 
So my favorite thing to leave people with is the fact that there's really very little in you that's not reversible and your body has infinite capabilities to heal itself when given the right tools to do so. So make sure you find the right practitioner. You run good tests on yourself. Um, education is empowerment and knowledge is power and make sure you have the support pieces in place so that you know what's happening in your body. You have a treatment plan to fix it and you measure your numbers before and after treatment that alone will get you and, and, and redo your mindset too. your mindset really has to be curated to positive belief systems. Those things are just imperative in any of this. You can take all the vitamins in the world and follow the best diet, but if you're a miserable human or really struggling with your mental health, that will impact everything. So get support for your mental health as well. Um, so you were going to ask where people can find And me. where can people find you? Yeah. So I've got a gift for your people today. Um, if you want to start changing and transforming your health and cutting out cravings and sugar, you can go to estherblum.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-B-L-U-M.com forward slash cravings with an S. Or you can just go to estherblum.com, sign up for my newsletter. You'll get that in your inbox. And for five of your listeners, Amory, um, I'm giving away five consultations, 30 minutes a pop. People come away with three customized tools to help them reach their goals. This is for people who are crystal clear on a path or a goal they're trying to achieve with their health, but they need a support and a some structural plan in getting there. So that's estherblum.com forward slash call, C-A-L-L. Awesome. Well, thank you so much yeah. for being here. Really appreciate your time and everything else. Um, and thank you so much for all the listeners. We love how you support us. Please subscribe, say hello, let us know what you want to hear more of. Um, and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne-Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.